Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. Today we are so excited to have our friend Caitlin here with us to talk about her mealworm farm that she has going on. So Caitlin, why don't you start out by just introducing yourself and letting our listeners know a little bit more about you. Yeah, thanks. So hey everyone, I am Caitlin. This is my second year teaching and second year at Granville Junior Senior High in upstate New York. We are right on the Vermont border. So we get some students from New York, some students from Vermont, and it's been a blast up there. Um, I'm in a two-teacher program, so my co-teacher teaches mostly animal science, and I have the awesome privilege of teaching mostly plant science, uh, food systems. So really taking a look at how we can make our food systems sustainable. I love that aspect. Um, We have about 500 students in our school total. Um, So we're a relatively small school, and our program has about 200 of those students um, in it. So we have a relatively big portion of our our school in the ag program. We do teach grades 7 through 12, and we are working on growing our program. So hopefully uh, next year we'll have a third ag teacher, which will be awesome, and we'll be able to uh, get some more of those students the opportunities that, that they're looking for. Um, but we came to talk about mealworms. So, um, I'm mealworms so excited is... for this. I, know. <laughs> I love. Well, them. I have to tell everybody how we even got connected. So, um, it, Debbie, is that your co-teacher? That yes. Posted? Okay. So she posted about Caitlin on Aga Discussion Lab on Facebook, and just kind of shouted her out and like gave her gave her some some credit and some limelight. And I saw it, and I was just like, I have some students who raise cockroaches at home and so I've always been a little interested in it um and the sixth grade teacher in my school talks about um other countries and how they get their protein and in other countries you know bugs is a very sustainable way to do that and she actually makes brownies out of is it cricket flour I it's something like that and I tried them this year like go me um but so Debbie posted about Caitlin and about her mealworm farm and you're actually eating one in the picture and I like tagged Brianna and I was like we're reaching out to this chick because she seems fun so I guess you know there's just the three photos on here like tell us you know those people that have seen that post or haven't seen that post kind of like how you how you got started with it all um and then paint us a picture of how it's kind of set up in your program for sure so we got started with the mealworm farm i think it's been so it's been a little over a year and a half now we started at maybe like two or three months into my first year of teaching um because my co-teacher and i were driving like 45 minutes one way um, to the pet store to pick up a little container of mealworms that we spent $5 on driving 45 minutes back just to feed um, the little critters in our classroom. 
the leopard geckos were eating them. We have we have got a ton of critters, but um, it just wasn't sustainable. We're like, why are we driving so far to buy to spend money on these things for for animals to eat when we can raise them here in the classroom? It's totally ag related. It gives students this awesome opportunity to learn, and it would help us out as a program. So that's kind of what got us started. And usually, so, you know, shout out back to Debbie. Debbie has these crazy big ideas. And most of the time I'm like, okay, Debbie, you know, let's, let's, let's tone it down a little bit and make it manageable. But this time I got to researching, I was like, holy cow, these seem so easy and the critters can eat them and what people can eat them too. And of course, that's what got me, got me really on it. Um, but so yeah, that's that's really what got us started. We um, we bought our first little container of mealworms, just like the ones from the pet supply store, and I put them in their little um, substrate of wheat bran and a little like shoebox type container. And I said, "All right, this is it. This is how we're going for it." And well, um, just some mealworms, right? Like, what do you just, have to lose? Right, exactly. I'm like, if they don't live, then you know, we tried. And if they don't make more mealworm babies, then our leopard geckos will still have food. It's fine. Um, and now we have thousands of mealworms constantly. Like every week I'm harvesting hundreds of mealworms. It's, it's so fun. Um, but it, it all just got started with a little shoebox sized plastic container, some wheat bran, some potatoes, and a little $5 thing from the pet supply store. So you, you know, talk about simplicity and like little resources to get started. And, and it's super awesome. We love big, big ideas on here yeah. by the all podcast. Like that's where Brianna and I live. Like that's our brain space is big ideas. Sometimes we don't have a person to like, like you, Caitlin, to say like, maybe you should tone it down a little bit. <laughs> we need someone in our life. That's usually our husbands. Um, but that is so Cool. If you haven't checked out the post on Aga Discussion Lab, you have to because when you mention simple, it, I mean, I do a lot harder things. I mean, like, Brianna, think of like the rainbow trout, like, kind of complicated. Everything for the mealworms looks like it fits on this cart. Yes. Like, for real. Yes. So I have this little utility cart um, that I, got from another teacher. I was like, hey, are you using that? No. Okay. I'm going to take this. Thank you. Um, oh, and the, the mealworm farm itself is a little plastic three drawer organizer thing that another teacher was just tossing out. And I said, hey, can I have that? And they're like, yeah, sure. And that is now the, the house of the mealworm farm. So they live in these like three little plastic drawers and I have a, a backup one just in case, because sometimes, you know, the world gets hectic and you don't harvest when you should and they make more babies than they should. And then, you know, that's that's my problem. Sometimes <laughs> mealworms making babies is, is too many, but um, literally fits on like a three square foot space in my classroom and it's on wheels. So I just move it around. I'm like, hey, we're doing something here and I need this space, move it to the side. We're taking it to the seventh grade classrooms and push it down to their classrooms. Like super versatile. So um, when you say harvesting them too, like how often do you have to do that? And like, how many do you get? Like, I know nothing about mealworms or breeding mealworms. So 
all of this is so interesting to me. Yeah, so I started, um, so I mentioned before, I started in like a little shoebox size container and their substrate is wheat bran. Like so they- Like a Sterilite container, like that's- just, Yep, like a little plastic thing that you- lid. Yep. Um, they, like, they live and eat their substrate. So they live in and eat their substrate. Um, I use wheat bran. It's cheap. I got like a 50 pound bag of it for 30 bucks um, a year and a half ago. I'm almost done with it. So 30 bucks for their main source of food in the last year and a half. And where, like, where do you get something like that? Just like the local feed store um, comes in a little 50 pound bag. Um, they also have to have moisture in their diets. So I feed them potatoes because that's a fairly cheap, you know, you can get a 10 pound bag for a couple bucks at the grocery store and that lasts a couple weeks. So um, wheat bran, potatoes, sometimes I feed them carrots if I have extra laying around. Um, the students sometimes don't like to eat their apples with their breakfast. So I'll be like, hey, bring me your extra apples and then free, you know, moisture for the mealworms. It's, I, it's seriously so easy. Um, so they eat all that stuff. They they live and they grow in there. So the mealworms are actually um, the pupal stage of the darkling beetle, or the larval stage of the darkling beetle. Um, when they 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 get bigger, they shed their exoskeletons. They get bigger. They have all these different instars, and right before they pupate is when they're their biggest, and that's when we harvest them. Um, and they can be harvested when they're smaller. So some of the leopard geckos like them when they're a little smaller, just because they're a little more manageable. But um, when you harvest them, I have this little like um, sifting their sieves that you would use for like, you know, sifting things out of soil or whatever it may be. And a little five gallon bucket, and you just dump them in, sift them out, and all of the ones that are too small and all the, the substrate and food falls through. Everything that's harvest size stays in the top. Take those out, throw them in the freezer, or if we're you know dry roasting them for the chickens or for people, and um, if they're going for the the leopard geckos or wherever you want to feed them live, um, you know they just go straight to them. Um, so the harvesting process really, I mean, depending on how many you have, we have thousands. They fit in three drawers. If you just have a small like little shoebox size again, or, you know, a smaller container, it'll obviously take less time. We spend probably two hours a week managing the whole mealworm farm. That's like sorting out, like harvesting, um, sifting out their frass or poop. Um, because yes, mealworms poop. The kids were so surprised. They're like, what? They poop? Like, yes, they eat food. It has to come out somewhere. Um, so sifting all that out, um, chopping up the potatoes, uh, feeding them, sorting out the pupas from the, the mealworms, all that stuff, two hours a week. And most of the time I have students help me with it. Um, so last year we had a mealworm farm manager before we left uh, for COVID. So that student was in charge of you know, making sure that the tasks for the week had been done and they were in charge of having other students help sort and letting them know what went where super hands-off for me, which was awesome. That was their SAE. You know, they were the mealworm farm manager and um, the other students got that really cool experience um, working with it. Now a lot of it's fallen back on me just because of our struggles, but um, super simple. 
Because are you, so teaching wise right now, are you virtual? We were hybrid, but we have maybe a quarter of our kids in at a time. Uh, so right. it's, it's very spotty. Yeah. Just to give people some context. Um, that's crazy. What a great SAE too, um, mm -hmm. for kids, especially if, you know, you're looking for, you know, a sustainable SAE that they can do within the classroom, you know, maybe they can't take something home or mm -hmm. they don't have access to resources. Just super cool. Um, okay. So the care that's required is <laughs> from what I understand is literally sifting out the grown ones to then mm -hmm. be harvested, making sure they have enough substrate Mm -hmm. And making sure that they have something in their diet that contains some sort of water, like potatoes, apples, carrots. Yep. That's it. Sorting poop. Sorting poop. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to live in your own poop. Um, I mean, maybe mealworms don't care. Who knows? Yeah. They, they're, they're resilient. They will live there. I forgot about them purposely, maybe for um, a couple months. We, my husband and I moved and um, I put them in my basement for it was like three months because I just like mental capacity couldn't deal with teaching and moving and yeah. COVID and holidays and listening right now like right and so I'm like okay you you're going in the basement it's cooler down there you're going to be more dormant you'll be fine and three months later I was like I should probably get the mealworms back out because you know I haven't checked on them in a while they're just doing fine living life hanging out you know so that's another cool thing you know summer happens and you your kids go away for the the summer tuck them in a cool place bring them back out in the fall and there they are um so, pretty so i don't even i'm just like blown away um i don't even know what questions to ask um <laughs> so you mentioned that you feed them to your animals uh, what else, I mean, what other things can you do with them or are you doing with them, you know, to really get this concept across to kids that this is, you know, a sustainable food yeah. choice for animals and, you know, potentially humans who. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's my favorite part. My favorite part is showing, I was like, Hey, have you seen the mealworm farm? That's the biggest draw. Like kids walking, like random kids. I don't even know. I'm like, I've seen you, but Hey, have you seen the mealworm farm? They're like, no, I'm like, come on in. Let me show you this thing. And I show them the mealworm farm and they're looking at me like, yeah, this is cool. I'm like, you want to try one? And like, what? Like, yeah, here. I, I just cooked some yesterday. Do you want one? And they're like, uh, either they're like, you No, you're the craziest person I've ever met. I'm never coming back here again. Or they're like, okay. And I love that because the, you know, they're so adventurous and they're like, oh, are you sure that I can eat this? Like, yeah, come on. Eating them dry roasted. The kids, like, it's a love hate relationship. I've had two kids out of all of them spit them back out. Most of them are like, that's, that's actually not that bad. I've heard them described as um, they taste like popcorn. They taste like pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, or they have no real taste. I'm looking at a picture of them as you're describing other foods. And I, that cracks me up. I, so I have hedgehogs. So I feed mealworms all the time. I too drive 45 minutes and buy them. Um, and I have kids that would be so interested in this. So 
so for selfish reason reasons i was like i have to have caitlin on here by the all podcast because this is so cool so you dry roast them if you're planning to use them for humans for human food i dry roast and for chickens too because it it preserves them for longer and you know you don't have to keep them alive or in substrate you just dry roast them and there they go and then your other animals like your leopard geckos you feed them to Mm -hmm. them live yes okay see i don't feed any of them live um we just get the the bag of them that Mm -hmm. way buy you know like you said i can buy a lot don't have to drive as far you know um and they Mm -hmm. like them i'm thankful that hedgehogs aren't like leopard geckos and other (laughs) animals who like to enjoy chasing their food um Mm -hmm. to to eat it but so then first you just freeze them and then you dry roast them yeah so the process of yeah I can't cook anything so yeah (laughs) considering dry roasting mealworms because I don't even think I could probably do that but what's that whole process so they go in they go in the freezer to euthanize them so they have to be in their minimum 15 minutes um but I like to keep them in there for at least a day 24 hours pretty much guarantees that they're dead at that point um sometimes they stay in my freezer for a week or a couple weeks by the time I get around to actually um, processing them the rest of the way and getting them cooked um but so they go in the freezer they come out of the freezer they get sifted if there's any extra substrate that's on there or their their food that's on there any extra poop you know any dead ones those all come out um then I um, rinse them in the strainer um just get again getting everything extra off of there then they get dunked in a pot of boiling water for three minutes that just guarantees especially if we're cooking them for the kids um that just guarantees that if there's any other pathogens on there that they're killed um just another another safety step they get patted dry and then put on a cookie sheet and popped in the oven for or at 200 degrees for like an hour to two hours, depending on, you know, how many are in there and how humid of a day and all that other good stuff. But just until they're like crispified and um, then they're good to go. Pop a little salt on them, you know, if you're if you're giving them to students, little, little cinnamon every now and then. Brianna, yeah. I think I found your, maybe your wedding appetizer. Oh my gosh. I just think they probably taste really good, but like. I won't lie. I've eaten. Anytime eaten. that you like know, like if I didn't know that that's what I was eating, I feel like I would be like, this is amazing. And then once you t- like, no going back after you tell me what it is, I'm already psyching you're, myself What out. you're saying is the picture of them doesn't <laughs> look like popcorn? No. <laughs> How did you learn all of this stuff? Like just Googling it. Do you have like a book that you learned everything about these mealworms? Lots of Googling. Um, Google was my friend. I didn't know of anyone else who was doing them. So, or like raising mealworms or or eating mealworms for that fact. Um, But Google, lots and lots of Google. And then I love, you mentioned like not knowing what it was. Maybe you would eat it. I actually just last night I was experimenting with um, some recipes. So I made mealworm cookies and I'm sitting there making, you know, a batch of chocolate chip cookies and I split the batch in half and I put just like plain chocolate chip cookies on in one bowl. And then I mixed meal, like ground up mealworm dehydrated, like 
you know, dried mealworms in the other one. And my husband comes by and he starts sneaking little pieces of cookie dough. And he, you know, picks up one of them with the mealworms in it. And I was like, okay, like, didn't say a word, like, didn't even know. And then I was like, stop eating the cookie dough. Like, you have to wait for the cookies. And then he comes back later when the cookies are done and pops a cookie in his mouth. And I was like, how was that? And he goes, yeah, it's fine. I was like, that was a mealworm cookie. He goes, what? You made me eat? I was like, you didn't even know. He's like, it kind of tastes like a, like a cookie with nuts in it. I'm like, okay. So, you know. This podcast episode is sponsored by ICEV. Join them and over 9,000 CT professionals for their virtual summer conference, CT Inspired, July 27th through 29th. The conference focuses on using ICEV with other learning management systems and customizing learning experiences to meet the needs of students. As we have stepped into a new era of learning, educators collaborated on best practices for student success and making the most out of the educational shift. During the conference, a strong focus is placed on classroom practices, including ICEV's new lesson plan design, industry certification, and education practices for special populations. In 2021, we're going even bigger. This year's conference will feature more speakers, sessions, and prizes. Keynote speakers include Angela Duckworth, Temple Grandin, and Damon John. Become inspired and energized to enter the fall semester. The virtual conference is the perfect opportunity for CTE professionals to advance their career, portfolio, and professional network. The best part about the conference is that it is free. Registration is now open. This conference is for CTE teachers, administrators, professors, CTE directors, and even pre-service teachers. Join Here by the Owl podcast and registering at icvonline.com forward slash CT inspired. We can't wait to become CT inspired with all of you. If you're, if the, the seeing the little legs is what gets you, you're like, you, I can't eat that. Just make it into a cookie. Oh my gosh. I wish everybody listening could see Brianna because she's been squirming in her chair for the last 15 minutes. Um, it's the legs for me. I just, you described them. <laughs> it's the legs for me. What about their, like the, their little bodies? They're seg, you know, segmented. That doesn't get you. It's just the legs. The description <laughs> of the legs, I think. <laughs> okay. So what teaching opportunities? I mean, obviously you, you get this sustainability discussion with your kids and they're taking care of these animals, but what else have you found um, you know, that these little mealworms, um, aid in, in teaching in your classroom. Yeah. So that's, that's a huge one. Um, especially for me and I try to incorporate sustainability in, in everything that we teach. Um, but I also love it because, you know, when we think about agriculture, you know, you typically think plants, animals, you know, maybe some mechanics, maybe some business, but like, you know, it doesn't, entomology isn't really a thing that you think of and so it's a really cool way to introduce yet another aspect of agriculture to our students and they get to see the entire life cycle like maybe in a biology course they they learn about the life cycle of animals and they remember 
seeing the life cycles of butterflies and you've got a caterpillar and then it goes into a cocoon. That's like my biggest comparison. But here they get to see it happen all the time. And they get to, you know, we get to talk about why it's important to know what stage uh, in the life cycle that it is. And how do you manage the life cycles of different insects? And how does that relate to, to you know, turning this into a business? So at this point, because we're so new in it, and because of COVID, um, we haven't had the chance yet, but we're hoping to turn this into a business opportunity for our program and to be able to sell them to, you know, teachers or other people in the community who don't want to drive 45 minutes to pick up the mealworms for their insects or their, um, their little critters. So we have some students now who, you know, they're like, hey, do you have extra mealworms? I can't get to the store. Totally. You know, here, take them. Um, so, you know, that business into what it takes. I mean, I'm just curious. Um, what does it take to sell that? I mean, you know, have you looked into that or even like to be a distributor for a pet store? That's a really great. I hadn't thought about being a distributor, yeah. but that would be really interesting. I mean, that's definitely something to look into because how cool would that be for your program to like mm -hmm. make its own label and its own packaging? And I mean, yeah. But yeah, that would be cool. I'm sure locally, maybe there's less regulations. I don't know. Are there yeah. regulations on mealworms for animal yeah. consumption? That is a question for Google. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure there are other people I could ask instead of Google. Um, but yeah, totally have to look into all that stuff first. Um, yeah. But I, I love you're like getting my wheels turning for this. This is one thing, Brianna, I thought of, because Brianna teaches a food science class. And okay. I'm thinking of normally, don't you do a lesson where like the kids are given, like they learn how to make the package. And so it's kind of like the food science CDE, but didn't you do an activity one time where they were like given something they had to incorporate, um, kind of like a food show. Like I'm, I'm just envisioning, you know, once they get the background of like making their package and marketing and all of that then they're given they're given a scenario of how they can they have to incorporate mealworms into like maybe it's a healthy snack mix maybe it is a cookie um like a a cookie mix or something like I think that would be so fun and another great way to like incorporate that in your classes and maybe get some more of those kids involved that aren't in that animal science class or aren't the ones working with with these mealworms. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, um, my next unit with kids, so my, I also teach a food science class and right now we're wrapping up um, a dairy unit, but um, my next one with them is going to be talking about foods from around the world. So different food culture. And so I'm gonna kick it off by kind of incorporating the mealworms because most of them haven't actually been in class to see the mealworm farm. So we're gonna, you know, here's the mealworm farm and here's how we raise them. But then also like, here's mealworm cookies, like try, you know, try things, right? Um, one of the things that my co-teacher Debbie and I, we love to, to share with students is just because you see something that's not done here, like eating bugs, right? Eating bugs is like super taboo here. In other cultures, that's the norm. 
And just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. And so we, you know, we're trying to, to share that with our students in ways where we can give them those examples and say like, look here, here's a culture where they eat bugs. Here are the mealworms. They eat crickets, they eat grubs, they eat ants. They're, you know, it's all over the place. Like they're a huge source of protein. I think mealworms, I looked it up once, it's like 24% protein when they're dry roasted. So that's huge. And the footprint of them is so, so small. So imagine, you know, as we talk about sustainable futures and protein sources, you know, everyone thinks plant-based, why not insects, you know? Their legs, Caitlin. <laughs> Their legs. I'm also like hearing you talk about this, like what a cool way to like do cross-curricular work. Maybe you have a facts teacher or science program and, you know, maybe they have to develop a candy that they're in, develop their own seasoning for, you know, the mealworms to make them more appetizing. I don't know. I think there's just so many cool lessons and activities that can be done that just hit the human side of the, these mealworms. Yeah, I love that idea of, you know, collaboration with other teachers. I think the more we can, you know, the more we can combine forces and show students that, you know, agriculture is not its own thing. Science is not its own thing. ELA is not its own thing. Like all of this applies. You just have to like making those connections with students is so important. And I love the idea of, you know, of combining forces and really getting them thinking about what's going on around them. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, you kind of mentioned already you have like a mealworm or you had in the past, like someone sign up to be like the manager of the mealworm farm, which I think is really cool. Um, do you incorporate them into your classes? And if so, like what ages, um, what do you have like your different students do aside from like managing it? Yeah, so um, because of how new this is for us and how, you know, how long we've had it in COVID, we've had a normal, quote unquote, normal school year, maybe for like six months with the mealworms. And at that point, they were really just getting started. Um, so the whole, the whole process of getting those mealworms going, you know, you have the, the original group of mealworms, which came from the pet store. And then there's a really fun story about me almost tossing them out because I didn't realize that they were still alive and they're just super tiny and um, got 500 more. And so now I've got mealworms out the ear, you know, like it's crazy, but, you know, so at that point they were just, they were just growing. They weren't to the, the harvest stage yet. Um, so that the capacity of our mealworm farm manager was pretty low stakes. It was just like, you know, checking in on them. Do they have food? Do they have a moisture source? You know, did you sift out the frass? Um, that, that was pretty much it. Like, are there beetles? Are the beetles still alive? Um, because mealworms, pupas, beetles, eggs, whole process keeps going. Um, we, I have a few students now who are in periodically, who are like my super mealworm people, that I can always count. They're going to ask about the mealworms. They're going to say, do you need more potatoes cut up? They're going to say, like, how many more pupas do you have this week? And those students I really rely on to, to help me make sure that, you know, the mealworms have what they need. 
but I also have used a couple of students who have really awesome design talents to um, come up with some like promotional informational things about the mealworm farm. So um, my previous farm manager was working on some like here is mealworm here are you know some information about mealworms this is their life cycle and getting that posted so it could be on the mealworm farm that way when people came if you know people were busy they could just look at it and kind of see what was going on um so that you know the taking care and the managing aspect of it is really important but then also the educational piece and having I have some older students who go with me to seventh grade classrooms and say here, check it out. And the seventh graders loved it. They begged me for like four weeks to bring in the mealworms. I was like, guys, guys, do your work. I'll bring in the mealworms next week. Okay. It's please. Um, but yeah, so really, I mean, any aspect, like finding the strengths of your students who are interested in it and then seeing how those strengths can be used in the mealworm farm is, is probably the best description of how I do what I do at this point. I I just want to be in your classroom. <laughs> I want to visit. So I'm very interested in getting started. So what would be tips on implementation and tips just for those listening who want to get started? Um, what are what's your what's your guidance there for teachers since it sounds like you did a lot of trial and error yourself. Mm -hmm. So I would um, first suggest starting small because um, it's always easy to grow with mealworms and starting big means you just have a lot of mealworms. They, they're like exponential growers. Um, so starting small is, is key until you kind of figure out the routine and, and how much time you're actually going to be able to invest with them. When you are looking at your starter colony, so deciding like, how am I going to get started with these mealworms? You can kind of go two routes. One, you can buy the mealworm larvae. Um, so they're, they're already mealworms. You're going to have to wait until they pupate. They're, you're going to have to wait until they turn into beetles. You're going to have to wait till those beetles lay eggs. You're going to have to wait till those eggs hatch and the, the instars, you know, continue to grow until you have harvestable mealworms. But then you're not going to want to harvest them all at that point because you want more pupae, more beetles, more all of that good stuff. So that process takes a little while, but is by far the, the cheapest from what I've seen and is the fastest way to show students the life cycle. Because it starts out with the mealworms that they know of and they get to see the life cycle happen before you get to the harvesting stage. You could also start out by buying beetles right away and you can buy those from online. The beetles will obviously start laying eggs immediately. So you'll kind of take out that growth, that initial growth stage, the, the pupating and just kind of get a little head start. Um, it, it really just depends on, on how quickly you want to get into it, but figure out what your starter colony is going to be, getting a place for them to live. So again, anything from like a little plastic three drawer system like I have, or just a, a random tote, or even if you're going really small, like a little Tupperware bowl, or, you know, just some little storage, food storage container that they can live in with some holes poked in the top. That way they can breathe. Um, it doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be huge. Just, you know, something to get you going. And then just patience and observation. 
because you know in my opinion that's the coolest part when I started looking at them and started showing them to kids I mentioned I almost threw out some um, my original starter colony pupated turned into beetles the beetles were they looked like they were making babies but I didn't see anything happening so I waited and I waited I waited like four or five weeks. I still didn't see anything. And I was like, holy cow. Like all of my research says I should see mealworms by now, but I don't. So that's when I ordered the 500 extra mealworms from online. And then like two days before those were supposed to show up, I'm looking through, I'm like holding the substrate in my hand over top the trash can going, I thought you were going to work. And I'm very disappointed. Must've gotten sterile mealworms from the pet store. And then all of a sudden I see a little piece of wheat bran move. I was like, what the heck? What is that? And like start to run my finger through it. And the tiniest little mealworms were inside of there. And I just, I didn't even know it. And had I, you know, not been sitting there staring at the substrate thinking, what have I done with the last two months of my life? Would have just tossed them out. And, you know, there they would have gone. So like, taking the time, taking the time to observe and really see what's going on. And then just like sharing those exciting moments. My poor seventh graders last year, they were like, they probably thought I was crazy. I was like, guys, guys, look, look really closely. And I had to go to each individual student and go, look right, right there. Do you see that thing? That's like the size of the tip of your mechanical pencil lead. That's a mealworm. And they were like, cool, Mrs. Goodwin. Yeah. Okay. But you know, that's the stuff that's exciting. You get the couple who are like, Oh, no way. You know, and that's just, I don't know, for me, that makes me really excited to see the excitement, but I don't know. I can't remember the question that you asked me now. I just got so into that story. <laughs> no, I just asked about tips of getting started and that. Yeah. yeah. I love the story of the additional 500 mealworms. I mean, we've all been there in some form of our life and being an ag teacher where we're like we just need a lot of one thing <laughs> and then we always look back and think to ourselves like why did I order a hundred of that so I love that um to wrap up what are some resources that would be great for teachers to use if they want to get started so um, a lot of a lot of my getting started, like we mentioned before, is just kind of doing some some Googling in different places. And, you know, a lot of the, the places when you Google, it'll come up with you know, this this place that's selling mealworms and that place that's selling mealworms, which is totally fine because, you know, you can see different mealworms and some of them will give some basic like life cycle and care um, tips. But I really didn't find anything that's like you want to grow your own mealworms? Here's how. Um, so I actually, um, shameless plug, I'm trying to start um, my own website where I'm sharing some of the things that I do in the classroom. And so I've tried to pull together some resources um, just to put it all in one place. So um, at my website, agsystemseducator.com, um, I've got two posts right now as far as like, here's what we're using the mealworms for and how we kind of got started. And then because of the, the awesome interest that was found on Facebook, added another one that's like, you know, here's how I manage the farm. So, you know, I talked about that three drawer system. What goes in each one of those drawers? How do I rotate the mealworms through that? 
I took a video of the actual setup at school and it was really fun. I'm sure to the custodians walking by after school, they're like, why is she holding her phone above the mealworm farm and talking to herself? Um, so that's, you know, all of that stuff is there. And I hope to add some extra um, recipes. You can Google mealworm recipes and multiple things will show up. You know, you can bake them, you can roast them, you can saute them. I'm not that brave yet, but you know, at one point sauteed mealworms will be fun. Um, but yeah, you know, just kind of searching those places out. And I, again, I'll keep adding things to my bank of resources and resources and we'll for sure share those with you all. I love it. Yeah. In the resource folder, we'll um, have Caitlin's website linked. Uh, and as she comes up with more cool things, we'll definitely add those to the resources um, as well. I, this is fabulous. I can't wait to start. I think this is going to be my summer project. <laughs> yes. um, yeah, why not? They're just mealworms, right? Um, so <laughs> those of you listening, make sure you check out the resources. Um, like Here by the Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a really cool idea that you want to share with the world, please reach out to Here by the Owl podcast. We'd love to have you as a guest, or even if you have a future topic idea that you'd love to hear about, um, we would be, we'd love to, we'd love to hear it so we can reach out to somebody that we know that's an expert in that area. Um, Caitlin, thanks so much for being here tonight and sharing your, your mealworm farm passion. We love it. Absolutely. Thank you all for asking me. This has been so much fun. I can't think of a better time, you know, than just talking about mealworms. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, so we have our April giveaway uh, that we wanted to do here on this episode. Uh, thanks again to our friends at ICEV Media uh, for the great uh, giveaway. Stay tuned because they gave us more stuff. They've, we've had so much fun working with them and they have just a ton of fun things to give away. So again, this April giveaway uh, sponsored by ICEV Media. Uh, is a conference pack uh, that includes a t-shirt, decal, door hanger, notebook, pen, fidget toy, and light bulb USB. Tons of great stuff. Uh, and we had posted on Instagram and Facebook, just kind of a fun giveaway uh, for you guys to, to work with us um, and comment and share uh, for a chance to win. So Brianna is going to um, draw for that right now. So we can see. Yeah, <laughs> Hope you guys can hear the sound effect. It's really quiet. We're just enjoying the sound effect by ourselves. Right. Yeah. It's just okay. So who's our winner? So our winner is Cameron Fraser from. He commented on it on Instagram. Yes. Congratulations to him. Yeah. Ag T. What's his handle? Ag Teach Fraz, I believe, is his handle on Instagram. So, uh, thanks for commenting. Um, Cameron will reach out to you and get your, your contact information so ICEV can send you your prize. Uh, and if you're sad you didn't win, that's okay because we do have a giveaway coming up in May. So stay tuned for the May 3rd podcast episode where we'll drop all of the details for that giveaway. <laughs>